Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Marsh, and Wyatt Teeter on this grand episode, episode 56, where we're going to be talking about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. Yes, we will, and we are going to start off with that incredible Cyclone football game that happened on Saturday against the Texas Longhorns with the Cyclones coming out with the literal last-second victory, um, kicking a field goal as time expired to beat the Texas Longhorns 23-21. That was just an incredible football game. So the Cyclone defense played an almost flawless first half in that game. Up until Texas' last drive of that first half, Texas had like a total of 20, what, we'll call it like, we did like 40 yards in the first 28 minutes of that game. And then they went on a long touchdown drive to end the first half, but still. And the reason that happened is the Cyclones went into a prevent defense just to keep everything in front, and Texas made us pay for it. Mm -hmm. And marched right down the field. The defense played phenomenal. I mean, Texas is a good offensive team, so only giving up 20 points, period, to them is a good thing. And really, this game wasn't as close as the score indicated. The Cyclones' offense inability to finish drives made that game a lot closer than it should have been. The Cyclones dominated that game. They almost doubled Texas in total yards. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was just a domination by Iowa State. On anything except the scoreboard is what it was. And, like, so if that field goal doesn't go in, right, that's just an Iowa State way to lose a football game if that wouldn't have gone in, right? It would have meant five losses for Iowa State by a total of 12 points, right, which is, like, two, what, two and 2.4 points per loss over five losses. That would have just been a backbreaker. And, really, we did miss the game-winning field goal. But Texas had jumped off sides on the play, so we got a five-yard penalty first down and were able to run off the clock and kick and make the actual game winner with no time left on the clock. Um, yeah, I don't know how Texas can have that bad of discipline that they jump off sides on a field goal. Like, how? How does that happen? Like, what you exactly said, lack of discipline, that's how that happens. Yeah, that's how you lose football games. That's, that is the definition of losing in the margins. I mean, you, you can't do things like, like that and expect to win football games. It just doesn't work. And, and this, this is just such an uncharacteristic win for the Cyclones. We lose the turnover margin again in a game, yep. but, we, but we manage to win. And it comes down to a last-second field goal. And luckily, it was us this time kicking the field goal rather than our loss to Baylor earlier this season or another loss to Baylor. What was that, our freshman year? Or- uh, I think it would have been, let's see, it would have been our sophomore, sophomore year. year. That would have been the year we played Baylor at home. Last second field goal, leading the entire game until that point. It, it's just... Literally, Baylor led for zero minutes and zero seconds of that game our sophomore year and still... And still won the game because they kicked to the field goal as time expired to go ahead. It's just a very uncharacteristic way for the Cyclones to win a football game, but it's finally a relief. And it showed on the faces of all the players after the game. There is so much joy and like exuberation on their faces and such a relief after we've we've lost four games this season by what you said, 11 points. The only time we lost a game by by an actual margin was against Oklahoma State by one touchdown. Mm-hmm. That you, was our yeah. biggest biggest margin of loss in a season. Yeah, because you got the, the, one, the one-point loss to Iowa, the two-point loss to uh, Baylor on the last second field goal, and the one-point loss to Oklahoma were other losses. But can we... Uh, so the, the two, uh, two plays that I really want to highlight, first one was from uh, Iowa State, was that the start of the second half, right? So Iowa State was getting the ball to start the second half, and 
it only took Iowa State 14 seconds to uh, to drive down and score. Uh, when I think Brock Purdy hit, uh, was it Tyreek Milton for 75 yards? Or was it Deshante Jones? It was, it was, it was Deshante Jones. And it's Tariq Milton, not Tyreek? It was Deshante Jones, so I'm pretty sure on that catch. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, it was Jones. Deshante Jones. It was Jones on that catch. But anyway, right, so 14 seconds into the first half, Iowa State goes – and scores the long touchdown to to um, to Jones. That was the biggest play of the game from either team. Brock Purdy uh, was phenomenal getting away from pressure in uh, in that scenario. I think he rolled away slash broke two, if not three, tackles before basically chucking it forty yards down. Some they they just left Milton all all, all on that Milton. They left Jones all alone downfield and he just chucked it there and nobody else could get to no defender could get to him. Incredible play by Purdy to keep that play alive and that really swung momentum back to Iowa State because the stadium was a little dead to start the second half because uh, Texas had scored right at the end of the first half and it was cold so there were definitely some people who left at halftime so. Um, yeah, the stadium was a little dead, and that did a lot to get the stadium fired back up, get the crowd back into it. It was great. And that celebration at the end was great. Watching a Sally run all the way down the field. And like he, then proceed right, to get injured? Yes. I mean, not really injured. He's going to be fine. He's got a sore well, shoulder. He doesn't need his shoulder. shoulder. You don't need he's that. He's a kicker. kicker. Kickers yeah. don't need so Unless, you know, our punter apparently needed his shoulder because we ran that really weird fake punt. You, uh, that was a fake kick, I think. It was a fake field yeah, goal. It was a fake kick. What I think a punter is a holder anyway, right? I don't know. Anyway, that was a really, really weird. You guys I liked gotta, it though. I mean, I was I was super excited when I saw it because mm-hmm. basically we ran everybody except three offensive linemen and the holder yep. out to like the, one of the side one side of the field, Far and left. we tried to sneak one of those blockers who tight end Chase Allen out on uh, like a little. Little corner out there, and to the, a little yeah, a little out route, and he may or may not have gotten interfered with, but the throw was you know out and over his head, wasn't necessarily a good throw. But I that was I like that play call because right, mm-hmm. it was you in the territory where you could have gone for it anyway, right? Yeah, on like Texas thirty one. So if you turn the ball over on downs, there it's not that big of a deal. It would have been big a big dagger in Texas back. So, so that was so just to. Just a clarification, our holder isn't our punter. Our holder is like our fourth or fifth string backup quarterback. Oh, okay. So, I mean, when I saw the ball, I was like, wow, that's actually a pretty good spiral for a holder. He is a quarterback. He just wasn't accurate with it. So Yeah. Probably his only throw he's going to get this season. Probably. I would imagine. Since, unless we're absolutely stomping KU next week. But but then you're still not going to see him. You're going to see what Mitchell probably. Mitchell. Yeah, you'd yeah. see Mitchell as the uh, if we stomp KU, which if KU plays like they did last week, we'll stomp him. Also, I just want to talk for one second and why. Or yeah, next week, eleven o'clock Central against Kansas. Nobody cares. We're going to win. No big Brees, deal. What? Brees Hall is probably going to continue his recent dominance. He has. Uh, now five 100-yard rushing games in his past six games. Um, he's he's playing phenomenally, and when we hand the ball to him, generally good things happen. Um, in the first half, I think he had like 47 rushing yards uh, right off the bat, like on the first drive, first two series. So keep feeding him, and I think good things will happen. Also, Deshante Jones and uh, LaMichael Petway both – uh, hit the 100-yard receiving mark in the game, and it seemed like Petway is now the go-to wideout uh, uh, for many of the targets for Purdy, at, but Kolar is still the uh, third down and fourth down as yes. well as red zone target. Pet- Petway is the first and second down target, and Kolar is the third down target for sure in general, unless you want to get it to somebody in space, and then you get it to Deshante Jones in space. Yep. He's or fast, if it's like tunnel, tunnel screens, wide receiver screens, it's going to Deshante Jones reverse yeah. Deshante Jones. Yeah. And then downfield, Tariq Milton or Deshante Jones will be open. Yeah, pretty much. That's the Cyclones offense in a nutshell, and it's working for the most part. Cyclones offense is playing well. So, But how can we talk? I'm, I'm going to 
get wide upset at me because I'm going to go off script here. How do you feel if you're a Baylor fan today? How do you blow that? Baylor had everything in front of them. They're undefeated. You're crushing Oklahoma. You're at home. Everything, the path to the college football is clearing out and to college football playoff is clearing out in front of you. And you just play that stinker of a second half. How can you You, do that with everything to play for? That's poor. In my opinion, it's poor coaching. Somebody didn't, somebody didn't manage that team at halftime and somebody didn't. uh, And whoever's calling the offensive plays uh, for this team, most likely their offensive coordinator. I believe Matt rule calls, calls the defense for this team. Um, They just didn't keep the pedal down. They they let up, they got complacent, and they literally gave this game away to Oklahoma. Yeah, that was yeah, that was Baylor's game to win. It almost makes me feel bad for Baylor fans, except I hate Baylor, so I still don't feel bad I for don't, them. Like here's the thing though. I feel bad that they lost that game, but they got away with a game in which they the Big Twelve gave them a win. Big 12 referees gave them a win against Texas Tech. They escaped somehow against TCU. They escaped against Iowa State. They Mm -hmm. have literally, they were literally on their final life and they ran out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of thought eventually that lucky, that stretch of luck was just going to end and it eventually did. So, but anyway, I almost feel bad for Baylor. Of a tale of two halves. Right. Yes. For sure. Because and we'll get Jalen to- Hurts, Jalen Hurts was horrible in the first half. He had mm-hmm. three turnovers himself in the first. He should half. have had three turnovers in the first half against Iowa State too, but we dropped him. You're right. Anyway, we're going to switch from one school that I hate in Baylor to another one that we all hate in the University of Iowa, in for our who's pissed off segment this week, and that's going to be me. So. As you heard last week, Minnesota was going to uh, to Iowa to uh, play them for uh, Floyd of Rosedale, try to keep that undefeated team season alive. And Minnesota did end up falling to Iowa in another game that was a tale of two halves. Iowa was up 20-6 to uh, six at halftime, ended up just winning that game 23-19 to 19 as Minnesota played an incredible second half. But what I really want to talk about and what I'm really pissed off about is I'm pissed off at Iowa fans. Because what happened is Minnesota got the ball back at Iowa's 20, down by four, with about a minute and a half left in the game. Um, And then Tanner Morgan, the Gophers quarterback, gets sacked once and then gets sacked a second time. The second time, he stays down hurt with a concussion, and Iowa fans are are booing him as he's laying on the field concussed. Because apparently, for some reason, they thought we were faking an injury to our starting quarterback to try to stop the clock, even though one who on earth would fake an injury to their starting quarterback and two, there's a 10 second runoff for an injury in a running clock situation like that. Like literally you don't fake an injury there. There's, there's nothing to accomplish. Like that was just a not class. There's just, you can't boo an opposing player when he's injured. That is not classy. No matter what, no matter if you think he's faking it or not, you just can't boo that. That's just not classy. Great win by Iowa. I mean, you have to admit, they played well, but that was not classy by Iowa fans. And not that I had much respect for Iowa fans in general to begin with, but that that just made it worse. Not classy. Don't boo somebody when they get hurt. That's not classy. That, that's you, all I got. Do you think they had a right to storm the field? Did they? Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Well, no, no. That does not qualify my field storming uh, procedure, by the way. Because they were favored to win the game at home. Right, yes. And they're they were both favored. ranked teams. Well, I don't – I mean, if they weren't favored, I wouldn't care. If if they were three-point underdogs as opposed to three-point favorites, sure, storm the field. You don't. You can't storm the field when you're favored. It's on the list of things. So, no, I didn't favor that field storming. But I'm not so, upset about it. Not in favor, but not upset. So from a big week in college football, uh, especially for Iowa State, to a uh, big week in the news cycle for Iowa State basketball, uh, last week on Monday, we had talked, or in our last episode, we had talked about the announcement of Xavier Foster's recruitment, where he was going between Iowa and Iowa State. Well, as you have probably all heard, 
and seen from the 8311 cast Instagram, Xavier Foster did commit to the good guys and he is going to Iowa State. Um, and he yeah. is he is the last recruit uh, to commit for the 2020 season as of right now, fulfilling all the four uh, open scholarships for the seat or for the 2020 season. Um, he rounds out a class of so Xavier Foster, who will potentially be a seven foot center for the team, uh, paired with George Condit going forward, will be a formidable front court. Uh, Dudley Blackwell, who is a small forward um, out of Pembroke Pines, Florida. He is a 6'6", or 6'5", 185 with a 92 uh, composite from 24-7. Uh, Jaden Walker, uh, who is another point guard coming out of uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Uh, great height and athleticism at the point. Great ability to distribute the ball. He's 6'5". Uh, and then Darlin Stone Dunbar, who was the recruit that uh, Iowa State um, uh, managed to rec- or offer and then gained his commitment within two weeks um, of the offer. He's a small forward out of Rock- or Charlotte, North Carolina, also 6'5". One of the big things that Steve Prohm mentioned about this recruiting class is getting bigger and getting lots of size. And that really shows the front court. Um, obviously, going forward, Xavier Foster potentially being seven foot, as well as George Condit being 6'10, great size and length and athleticism on the inside, as both Condit and Xavier Foster can run the floor with the point guards. Uh, and then Blackwell being uh, 6'5, Jaden Walker being 6'5, as well as Dubar also being 6'5. Great length, athleticism on the perimeter. All three of those recruits can play any position one through three. They can all handle the ball, distribute uh, the ball, as well as shoot. So just um, Steve Pro mentioned getting to be uh, getting to the point where we can interchange as many positions as possible and work with as many different uh, rotations as possible. This leaves uh, the Cyclones. Um, at 16th nationally, according to 24-7 Sports, as well as 5th in the Big 12. So a big-time recruiting class for Steve Prome coming in. Um, and one of the big reasons that was mentioned um, about why Xavier Foster chose Iowa State over Iowa is because he sat down with his family and decided that his long-term goal was to make it to the NBA. And Iowa State now has a pedigree and a history over the past four or five years of getting players to the NBA, uh, looking at, I believe right now, eight players that are currently on NBA rosters, as well as a couple players who are on G League team slash two-way, uh, two-way um, contracts uh, in the um, contract for Marielle Shayok. So just a pedigree of the this team, as well as Steve Prome getting players to uh, to the NBA. Um, and it was also mentioned in a report that he felt a huge relief when he decided to, uh, commit to Iowa state over Iowa. So that's good. That's big going forward, um, to see that the Cyclones are able to recruit top talent as, or specifically top in-state talent, um, and keep them, uh, especially with a, uh, big, um, up-and-coming point guard out of Ames High School uh, who could potentially be a four- or five-star by the time he is um, able to step foot on a college basketball court. Go um, To the current season, though, um, and is what, what is shaping up to be a uh, try-and-get-better-for-next-year season, um, they did have one game this week against Northern Illinois, uh, the first half was dominated by Northern Illinois. Um, they were the ones who were out shooting the Cyclones. The Cyclones couldn't get any anything to fall from the perimeter. Uh, but eventually they did pull out a win, 70-52. Um, to 52. Uh, It was just a very, very rough shooting night overall. And that seems to be the, uh, the case through the first three games of the season is poor shooting. Uh, so this team needs to get out in transition uh, where they will be the, their best and their most efficient um, 
this season as Tyrese Halliburton right now is leading the um, entire nation in assists uh, total on the season as well as assists per game um, and distributing the ball at a very high level. He continues to impress. We're going to go as far as he can take us. Um, But in this game, uh, Solomon Young and Razier Bolton uh, led the way with 15 uh, points for Solomon as well as 17 for Bolton. It's worth noting that George Condit also had four blocks in this game, so now he is averaging uh, over three block shots per game, just being a physical presence on the inside, which is something we're going to need going forward, especially in Big 12 uh, play. Um, The next game uh, is this week on Tuesday, uh, November 19th, against Southern Miss. It is a home game. Uh, continuing to try and get ready for the upcoming road games as well as the upcoming tournament that the Cyclones will be playing in. Yeah, that will certainly be interesting to watch as the non-conference season continues for Cyclone basketball. But what is in full swing now as we are uh, winding down week 11 in the NFL here is the end. I just, that was a really bad transition. I tried. We're going to talk about the NFL now. We should <laughs> really works. work on our, tr- we need to plan out these transitions in advance in the future. That should be our next step to improve this podcast is plan nah. out these transitions. Nah, this keeps it real down to earth, like, you know, grassroots movement or something. That's with, true. With arbitrary transitions. That's true. Like like this, we just talk about how bad our transitions are. <laughs> if you have any uh, tips on how to improve our transitions, make sure you drop us a line on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact or drop us a DM on Instagram at 8311cast. Do that. Yes, please. But they are the two biggest games that uh, – that, uh, yeah, well, there are a couple big games that happened this week. But the one biggest one was the 49ers who survived uh, an upset bid from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, The game was in San Francisco, and uh, the Cardinals jumped out to an early 14-0 lead. Is that right, Kyle? Uh, 16-0. 16-0 lead before before they were able to come back uh, and win. And that was a really gutsy performance by... um, Jimmy Garoppolo and the uh, San Francisco offense. They scored two touchdowns in the game's final thirteen or final thirty seconds to win by ten points. So, one of them, one of them coming on defense when yes, the Cardinals got the ball back. Yes, but still, that's a it's a huge uh, huge uh, win for them to get because right if they lose that game right now, all of a sudden you're tied with Seattle in the in the NFC West. Seattle already beat you at your building. Right, so they have the tiebreaker now, and the next game against each other is in Seattle, which is a very, very tough place to win. Yeah, and it's so, the final game, final game of the season too. So it's going right. to be colder in Seattle than it will be in San Francisco. Yes, but either way, if both teams keep winning, the division is still on the line in that game, right? Because yeah. if Seattle is one game behind San Francisco, if Seattle wins it, they'll have the tiebreaker and they'll beat San Francisco. So those two are on a collision course for uh, that last game of the year for deciding the division, and, probably. And San Francisco doesn't necessarily have an easy route. They still have to go to Baltimore, a they team also, that already beat Seattle in Seattle. So mm-hmm. They also play the Packers as well um, at home next week. So that's not an easy game either for them. San Francisco probably has the hardest schedule in Seattle. Seattle does have to play the Vikings, um, so that's not an easy game. They go to Philadelphia as well. So neither of those schedules are easy. So them both winning out prob- up until that game is probably not very likely. But, um, but yeah, they're still on a collision course for that last game, probably going to make a big difference. But in what was perhaps the most exciting game of the weekend, that was certainly played – by the Minnesota Vikings. So the Minnesota Vikings, who have a tendency under Mike Zimmer to just play terribly the week before the bye, um, because, you know, they just do that. I don't know why, but they do. Just came out absolutely flat, um, flat against the Denver Broncos today. Um, they ended up giving up what oh, I got to see. Yeah, what did they end up falling down by in that game? 20 to nothing. Yeah, they fell down 20 to nothing. And uh, in that game, but it was 
an incredible second half comeback. The defense really turned it around in the second half. Only gave up three points the entire half. And the offense scored 27 points in the second half. Kirk Cousins was phenomenal and worth every dollar we paid him for that game. Um, and the Vikings came back all the way to win 27-23. An incredible comeback. And frankly, I feel better about the Vikings as a team now because they made that comeback than I did going into the week. Like, even though you played pretty poorly and you had a numerous stupid mistakes, like uh, early in the or late in the third quarter, uh, after you'd closed the gap to uh, to nine, you uh, you forced the Broncos to go three and out, but then jump off sides on the punt, so they, and it gives them a first down. Undisciplined things like that, taking holding calls on big pass plays, big defensive penalties. You fumbled a field, you fumbled a kickoff return, you muffed a punt. Just mistakes that can't be made. But they still battled back in that second half. They still found a way to win the game. I feel much more confident in the Vikings than I did going into that week, despite them playing an absolutely terrible game. So props to the Vikings for winning that. Um, enjoy your time off next week and figure out how to fix this secondary. The secondary is a problem for the Vikings. Xavier Rhodes, a couple years ago, was one of the best cornerbacks in football. Now he is absolutely a liability. Like, is you, he's bad. That's and I mean, Trey he's not even Waynes is a, is, a, is a close second. Trey behind. Waynes is Trey Waynes is pretty good. Yeah, he was exposed against Kansas City. That was not Troy Wayne's. That was uh, Mike Hughes. Oh, Mike Hughes. He also fumbled up. He he was the one who muffed the punt today too. Mike Hughes has some problems. I want to see more of uh, Holton Hill. He's the uh, undrafted free agent out of Texas who was suspended for the first eight games of this season uh, four for performance enhancing drugs and four for smoking a random green plant. That wasn't very random. So, but I want to, now that he's back, I want to see more of him. He was impressive last season. So I'd be interested to see what he could do to keep, try to keep um, Xavier Rhodes and Mike Hughes off the field more often. That's what I would like to see. But what else happened around the world of NFL on Sunday that you'd like to talk about? Any other big games, Kyle? Well, one of the probably one of the most surprising performances was the lack of effort that the Texans showed against the Ravens. Uh, got absolutely obliterated by the Ravens this week. Only scored seven points. Ended up forty-one to seven on that game, and it gave the Colts, who lost last week to the Miami Dolphins, the opportunity to regain uh, control of the AFC South as they. Um, defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars today. So that was probably the uh, game that had the biggest uh, implications in the AFC uh, this week outside of the, well, the biggest game in the AFC this week. Um, Besides the game that will happen tomorrow night, Monday night, uh, in the Chiefs and the Chargers. So. As the yeah, Chiefs a, try and as the Chiefs try and hold off the Raiders. I was gonna say the Raiders are certainly nipping on the Chiefs. I mean, the Raiders and Chiefs are tied right now. They're both six and four. Yeah. Well. Yeah. For now, until the Chiefs play to. Right, run. but right now they're two teams that are tied. So the uh, Chiefs, the Chiefs do have the tiebreaker with the better record in the AFC mm-hmm. West as mm-hmm. they are the Raiders head to head. And I mean, and just the eye test tells you that the Chiefs are the better team. But sometimes yep. they certainly don't show it. So, especially last week against the Tennessee Titans. That's but true. But another big thing that happened in the AFC this week was on Thursday night football in the final minute of the game. The final oh, 10 seconds of the game. That was wild. So, I'll just walk you through it a little bit uh, for all of our listeners if you didn't see what happened. Um, there's a play in which... Well, first uh, of all, go watch the video. Go watch the video. If you haven't seen it, go on. Look up Miles Garrett fight. You'll find it. Yeah. Or look up Mason Rudolph fight. You'll still find it. Or I look up really shocked if nobody's even heard of this. But yeah. Mason, please, please break it down. Mason Rudolph drops back for a pass. 
Um, gets the ball away, and Miles Garrett hits him potentially a little bit late. That I mean, it was it was pretty borderline there. He still hits him, takes him to the ground. Mason Rudolph apparently takes exception to that, tries to rip Miles Garrett's helmet off, um, which he fails at because he's apparently very, very weak, um, as he also sucks at being a quarterback in the NFL. Um, suck. He's just not good. He's not good. And Miles Garrett took great offense to that, ripped Mason Rudolph off the ground by his face mask, proceeded to completely rip his helmet off of his head. Um, and as he's getting pushed away by the Steelers offensive lineman, Mason Rudolph goes after him. Miles Garrett takes Mason Rudolph's helmet and uses that it uses it as a weapon against him, strikes him in the top of the head. Uh, Mason Rudolph does a phenomenal job of selling it. Um, and the rest is history. Although, I mean, this is just completely inexcusable on the part of Miles Garrett, but if you're a quarterback, don't go running after somebody without a helmet on first and foremost, or yeah, everybody just don't try and rip everybody's helmet off. Just please keep helmets on and yes. don't use them as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so first of all, this will require multiple additions to a list of things football players shouldn't do. We'll get that to that in a minute. Uh, we'll give Wyatt a chance to pull the list up if he hasn't. But first of all, my take on this is who started this? Uh, maybe Mason Rudock. We'll, we'll give them both credit for starting this. Then, my, oh, yeah. then Mason Rudolph escalated it by trying to rip Garrett's helmet off. And he was, like, kicking him as he was getting off of him, too, and then... Then Garrett escalated it some more by ripping Rudolph's helmet off. And then well, Rudolph he escalated, escalated it, it some more by tearing him off the ground by his face mask. Right. Which and resulted Ru- in ripping his helmet off. Right. And then Rudolph es- escalated it more by um by going after Garrett without his helmet. And then Garrett did the unthinkable by swinging that helmet at somebody. And then the Steelers offensive linemen also, you know, then understandably took Garrett to the ground and then were like punching him and kicking him. I mean, like, I get it, but you, you can't do that either. So, I mean, just, the aftermath. Just maybe, maybe take him to the ground. Take him to the ground, to, sit on him. Hope to de-escalate the situation, but don't right. kick him in the helmet and yeah. try and punch him through his face mask. Yeah, that's just not good. But anyway, so the ramifications of all this, Miles Garrett is suspended for the rest of the year, uh, at least. He's suspended indefinitely, and it won't. the cause won't even be revisited until the end of the year. Uh, Mason Rudolph has decided not to press charges, which he could have done in this scenario, because that's like an egregious assault. So it would, you know, pressing charges wouldn't have been unprecedented there, but he decided not to. Um, so... Uh, Marquise Pouncey is the chief, uh, is the Steelers offensive lineman who uh, kicked Mason or uh, kicked uh, Miles Garrett. He's suspended for three games. Um, there was a Browns D lineman, I don't remember who it was, who uh, pushed Mason Rudolph to the ground after uh, Garrett had hit him with the helmet. Uh, he got one game suspension, and then seven other players all got fined, uh, including Rudolph for the roles in this fight. So, and most of those being for players leaving the bench yeah. to join the fight, which is against NFL rules. Only coaches can leave can do that because they're supposed to help break up the fight. Or cops. Speaking, speaking of coaches who leave the field to break something up, PJ Fleck got a penalty for running. That was the- a that was an awful penalty call. Sorry, but, I literally just got us off track, but that his, reminded his, me of his that. His wide receiver got lit up, which first of all. They called that a penalty after the play was over. It was like targeting after he dropped a pass. Like, how did they call that a personal foul after the play was over? And then Fleck went out, right, to check on his player who was lying motionless on the ground. And apparently that was a penalty because he went onto the field too soon, even though the play was over. I've never heard of that before. That was a weird penalty. Anyway, Wyatt, would you like to uh, run down what our list of things football players shouldn't do is first, or would you like us to add things to the list first? Um, Let's add things to the list. 
after we go through the list. But before we even get to the list, I don't think you touched on Miles um, Garrett's appeal. Did you hear what he's appealing? He, I mean, he's he's appealing his suspension um, yes. because the collective bargaining agreement doesn't allow for indefinite suspensions um, for players for on-field acts. So, uh-huh. fun fact. Well, I think they're going to hear that on Wednesday. So. Okay. Um, we talk about that further in next week's episode, but it sounds like he's going to try to appeal. I don't think he's going to get anywhere with it. I mean, at most they're going to come back and say, "Hey, you're suspended for this season and right. postseason," they'll and just, then they'll just put it. They'll just put a number of games on. Exactly. It. They'll just have exactly. to put a number of games on it sooner than they otherwise would have wanted to, which personally I think doesn't benefit Miles Garrett because I think that this will all just sort of blow over in the off season. And they'll give him an indefinite suspension to look like they're coming down hard on him now, and then they'll let him play next season when this is all blown over. But if they if he's gonna make him give them a number of games right now, I think it'll be more because, you know, it's fresh yep. in everybody's mind. Oh, so yeah. they're gonna give him I I think it's a bad move from him, but maybe I'm I don't know. I'm wrong. I might be wrong. Anyway. No, I, I think you're right there. But let's go ahead and go through our patented list of things football players shouldn't oh, do patented. that's not yeah. actually patented. Yeah. I, I, oh, okay. I was I was coming at it. I was I was, I was, like, I was coming you, clean. Okay. I was wondering if you patented it like patented it like a good producer or not. I don't think we can patent something like this because it's I don't, not, I also it's not original. I don't think that you can pant it either. So Can I punt it? But I don't know. Can you punt it? I, I don't want to find out. It's on my That's, computer, and I could punt my computer. If we I could probably add a punting your computer to the list of things 8311 hosts should not do. But for our things football players shouldn't do, we have a total of 25 items before we're adding on this whole uh, issue that coincided on Thursday. There'll be at least, I'm thinking at least three things to add. I'm, in, I'm thinking at least more. three as well. Uh, those, those 25 are as follows. Do not beat your family members. Do not get into a fight in a nightclub. Not necessarily just in the city of London, but in any nightclub. Don't get into a fight. Don't graffiti the bridge in Brookside Park. Don't throw a dumbbell at the head coach. Don't run over a cop. Don't get caught not watching film. Don't run off the sidelines to make a tackle. Don't have to get pulled off of an on-field fight by a cop. Don't drive over 100 miles per hour in your car. Don't tweet upside down. It's just childish. Don't steal from your teammate's locker. Don't argue with your coach over wearing a jacket. Don't not listen to our list of things well, things football players shouldn't do. Don't tweet anti-gay things on Twitter. Don't decide not to pay your cab fare. Don't punch the cop who tells you to pay your cab fare. Don't pull police tasers off yourself and run away from them. Don't drive on a suspended license. Don't not pay your citations for speeding. Then you won't get arrested for having your license suspended. Don't go into a cryogenic chamber without the appropriate footwear. Don't retire from the NFL because you can't wear your favorite protective hat. Don't put your fine notice on Instagram. Don't call your GM the devil. Don't post a potentially illegal video of a phone call, phone call with your head coach. Don't get your 30 million contract voided. Those last, uh, what, five were all, all Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown this offseason. So. <laughs> the biggest clown in NFL history. <sighs> so right. let's start tacking so, things on. What's number yes. 26? For number 26, I'm going to say is don't. Charge at somebody without your helmet on. That's All right, what I'm so say Mason Rudolph. Yep. Don't charge at somebody without your helmet on. Is that one fair? Yes. I, I like that. Number, 20, number 27 is the big obvious one. Don't swing someone else's helmet at their head. How about don't use a weapon on Don't use a helmet iron. as an assault weapon. All right. I like that one. I feel like we could make that a little more abstract, though. Like, you generally shouldn't be using anything as a weapon on the football field That's true. at Don't all. Don't use a weapon on the football field. I like I'm that. I'm fine with that. Uh, that. That works. Don't use a weapon on the football field. Okay. And no, your fist is not a weapon. No. You can throw punches as long as, you know, everybody's throwing punches. I think that's yes. okay. Yes. I mean, it's against the rules, but it's not. It is, but fist. it's not. I mean, not a also, fist, also yeah. be smart when you're throwing your punches. Don't throw a punch at somebody's helmet because you're more That's likely gonna to hurt, hurt yourself. That's than, gonna very, that. it's very much gonna hurt. So, but we'll keep would, it as don't, don't use yeah. don't use a weapon on the football field. Yeah, that seems fair to me. Um, third thing to add: uh, don't kick somebody in the helmet when they're lying on the ground. I would add that to the list. Yeah, we should yeah. make that one a little more fun, though. Don't. Treat somebody's head as a soccer ball while they're laying on the ground. 
Or just in general. Just or yeah, or just in general. Don't yeah. use someone's head as a soccer ball. Yeah. Don't use someone's head for soccer practice. See, I think that's good because soccer is called football everywhere else in the world. And this happened on a football field in America, so it's it's nobody would get that unless I explained it. So I explained well, it. And now it's not cool anymore, but we're gonna roll with it anyway. That that reminds me of when Ndomican Sue used somebody's face mask as a means to clean off his shoes. Yes, <laughs> I do remember that one. I do remember that one. Anyway, so, uh, our 26, is there anything else that needs to be added? Is there anything else that so. needs to be added from this? You Those are the three a, that I had. Yeah, so the three that we just added, 26, number 27, and number 28, are don't charge someone without your helmet on, don't use a weapon on the football field, and don't use someone's head as a soccer ball on the football field. Are we yeah. happy with that? Yeah, seems fine to me. Seems I'm fine to that. me. All right. Cool. The Well... A lot of rules were broken during that game, you know, with the whole punching, fighting, and everything. There's a lot of personal fouls that happen out of there. But I think Mike's going to go ahead and break down another rule for us in his favorite segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. Yeah, so you remember how these last couple weeks I told you I'd uh, transition away from baseball rules? Well, I lied. We're going to talk about another baseball rule this week because it came up, uh, and that rule is the qualifying offer in uh, baseball free agency. So in baseball free agency, um, a player can be offered a qualifying offer um, under certain circumstances. Um, Basically, when your contract runs out, um, a team can offer you a qualifying offer, and um, and that will basically... Put it so the team will get draft. The team who lost you, who you used to play for, will get draft pick compensation um, from whoever um, takes you, right? Whoever signs you, if they reject the qualifying offer. So what the qualifying offer is is the the mon- It's a one year deal. The monetary value is the average of the um, top fifty salaries uh, at your position from the previous year. So for example, for starting pitcher. It was $18.8 million. Um, And so this year, nine players were offered qualifying offers. Um, Only two accepted them. The Twins, Jake Odorizzi, and uh, the White Sox, Jose Abreu, accepted their qualifying offer. The other seven players declined theirs. And which I believe makes only – it's somewhere – it's either like seven, eight, or nine – players in history have actually accepted a qualifying offer um, Mm -hmm. when they've been given one. So generally speaking, everybody declines a qualifying offer. Yeah. So the, so the ways you can be given a qualifying offer, if you have never received a qualifying offer previously in your career and you spent the entire season on that team's roster, so, like, if you traded for somebody at the deadline, can't give them a qualifying offer. You had to have spent the entire season on that team's roster and never been offered a qualifying offer before. Which is the, the case of uh, the Braves' closer this year, Shane Green. They traded for him um, at the trade deadline, and he was not able to be given a qualifying offer. Correct. And so the draft pick that a team loses um, depends on payroll right so it's not necessarily where it's um you're gonna lose a certain draft pick every time so a team that is over the luxury task tax excuse me loses its second and fifth highest picks in the year's draft if they sign um a qualifying offer free agent so um for those so for this upcoming year the cubs red Sox, and yankees if they signed a player who was off one of those seven who declined the qualifying offer, they would forfeit their second and fifth round picks. Um, let me see. Um, a team, um, a team in the next block um, would just lose its um, lose its third highest draft pick in the draft. Um, so those fourteen teams will be. Um, the A's, Brewers, Diamondbacks, Indians, Marlins, Orioles, Padres, Pirates, Rays, Reds, Rockies, Royals, Tigers, and Twins um, would lose their third highest draft pick. And um, so those are teams that are that get revenue sharing money from the MLB, which look that up, it's complicated. Those teams would lose their third highest pick. If you're a team that 
does not exceed the luxury task, but does not receive revenue sharing money, you lose your second highest pick. Those teams are the Angels, Astros, Blue Jays, Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants, Mariners, Mets, Nationals, Phillies, Rangers, and White Sox. So that is a qualifying offer. If you sign those seven players, you will lose a draft pick. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we had seven players to watch. And that's why you had the situation where uh, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimball didn't sign until after the draft. They had received qualifying offers or had been given qualifying offers that they turned down the year before. So after the draft, the draft pick compensation for them was gone. So that's why teams signed them there. They didn't have to forfeit draft picks because they signed them later. So yep. there you go. more you know about the qualifying offer. The more you know. Yep, there's your rule. I promise it's going to be um, it's going to be um, basketball next week. I promise, not baseball. You promise? Well, you better be held accountable for that. But for this week, why don't you go ahead and hold us accountable by reading off our accountability session in our Write That Down prediction segment? Yes. Yep. So we had three predictions that came off the board um, this week, one from each of the three of us, actually. Kyle predicted that Minnesota would be the uh, in the top eight in the college football playoff rankings when they came out. They were. They were exactly number eight. So for that, Kyle gets a... Ding, 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 ding. Uh, Wyatt predicted that Brock Purdy would have the most rushing yards of any Big 12 QB this year. Uh, that's going to be Jalen Hurts. It's not going to be close. So even oh, yeah. though the season's Hertz, not over. Hurts has possible. 800 more rushing yards. Hurts is, so is the second leading rusher in the Big 12, period. Yeah. So after Chubba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. So, Chuba, Chuba. Chuba Hubbard, not Chubba. 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 Chubba, 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 choo-choo. <laughs> anyway, for that, why it gets a nah. Uh, and the third one to come off the board, uh, I predicted that Iowa State would crack the top 10 in the rankings some point this year. Uh, already sitting at four losses. It's pretty evident that that's not going to happen. So we'll go ahead and take that off the board and give me a nah. nah. All right, Kyle, what do you got? Yeah, so... I'm going to ride the high and say that Iowa State football will win out for the remainder of the season. That includes the bowl game that they are now eligible for. Yes, the Cyclones are going bowling. We forgot to mention that. We did forget to mention that. That should be the title of our episode this week. But anyway, um, so excluding the bowl game, 538. Kansas and Kansas State, right? Yeah, 538 Sports gives the Cyclones a 55% chance to win those two regular season games. Then let's say it's a toss-up in the ball game. Let's just say it's a 50-50 game for argument's sake. So that gives the Cyclones, what, about a 27% chance to win out, according to 538 Sports. That seems like double territory to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. Um, That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I have no comment. Seems like double territory to me. All right. That means it is my turn to make a prediction. My prediction will be that the Twins sign um, one of the three big free agent starting pitchers in the offseason. Those three being Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, or Blake Wheeler. The Twins will sign one of the three big starting pitcher free agents. Uh this offseason. Blake Wheeler? Don't you... It's not... Blake Wheeler. Correction. Blake Wheeler is a former University of Minnesota and current Winnipeg Jet uh, hockey player. Got yeah. confused there. Wow. Try again. Yeah. What a mistake to make. He plays hockey. He played for Minnesota. He played for hockey for Minnesota when I was a kid. He's a good hockey player. Now he plays for the Jets. I don't like the Jets. Anyway. Yes. Wheeler, so one of Strasburg, Cole, one of the three of them. Um, I mean, do they do they need them? I don't know a whole lot about. Uh, yes. The Twins only have two starting them. pitchers on the roster, probably. Okay, I mean, so you then have, they're you probably going to sign one of those three. three. Three players who made their major league debut last season. Right now, the Twins' rotation would be Jose Burrios, Jake Odorizzi, who accepted his qualifying offer, like we just talked about, and then Randy Dobnik. Devin Smelcher and Lewis Thorpe is our projected starting rotation right now if we don't sign anybody else. 
So, hmm. so they're probably going to sign one of those three. Is kind of what I'm. Well, they're going to sign some pitch. I mean, but you could also bring back Michael Pineda. Uh, you could sign somebody like uh, like a Rick Porcello. You could trade for somebody like uh, like a John Gray. You could sign Madison Bumgarner. So it sounds like that it's not unlikely that they will sign one of them, but it's also I mean, not a guarantee, which kind of rules out both a single and a triple, which kind double. of, in my mind, you know, process of elimination turns into a double. All right, double, I'll take double, a double. double, double. I'll take a double. Wyatt, what is your prediction for the week? So uh, I've pretty much turned this segment into, instead of like write that down predictions, it's more things that Wyatt wants to see. So this week I'm going to say Iowa State football will use it one more trick play before the end of the 2019 season. We had that fake kick What's in the, the game against. the definition of a trick play? You know, when, when you don't punt or kick when you initially set so up a for fake, a punt or a kick. So a, yeah. fake, a fake field goal, a fake punt. Yeah, that's a or trick play. Or Deshante Jones throwing a pass. Right. Does that count as a trick play? Does a flea flicker count as a okay, trick play? Okay, you're, you're right. You're right. We'll, we'll say, oh, I would love to see a flea flicker. Let's say flea flicker or or a uh, uh, fake kick slash fake punt. Single. I was gonna really? You think they're going to do it? I think Deshante Jones is probably going to throw another pass this season. But he didn't put that on his list. No, that's not on my list. Flicker, fake punt, fake field goal. Slash extra point, I guess. Yeah, same thing. So, I'm saying double. I want it to happen. Because I think it happens in a bowl game. Those are the kind of things that happen in bowl games. (laughs) I I just really want to see it. So, I'm going to go double. Coaches have lots of... Coaches have lots of time to think before the bowl game to try to get creative with things like that. Things like that usually happen in bowl games. But Iowa State doesn't really run creative plays like that. Like by creative, I mean you know, trick plays. Yeah, Coach Campbell is a really bread and butter coach. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I'll take a double on that. No complaints for me. Do we have anything from Josh? Do. Josh has predicted for his write that down that the Green Bay Packers will win the NFC North. I'm thinking, thinking single. Yeah, single. I mean, and sixty-two percent. Yeah, that's a that's a single. That's, that is a single. 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 That was easy. Cool. So we have four predictions up on the board this week that we wrote down, and I'll write that down prediction segment, which means that we're at the end of that segment, which also means that we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for sticking around for episode 56 of the 8311 cast. Make sure you check out our Instagram, like always, at 8311 cast, and drop us a line if you'd like at 8311 cast slash contact. Uh, we'll talk to you next week in episode 57, which is the next episode in the sequence of episodes that we normally release every week. So we will talk to you then. But until signing off for the Eleven 11 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Rodwick, and Wyatt Tanner. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! BKU!